Welcome to Kevin Connors podcast. This series of messages on the book of Ezekiel were recorded in Malaysia in August 2010. Be sure to get a copy of Kevin's newly released commentary on the book of Ezekiel, available in paperback and ebook formats from Amazon.com and as an immediate PDF download from kevinconnor.org forward slash shop. A few questions here. Uh, a couple I'll probably uh, leave uh, because of the controversy, but I'll mention them. Okay, first question we want to look at uh, briefly here, as much as we can. Uh, could you please explain again, which I didn't before, but the difference, be- I, I put that in there. Okay, the difference between the times of the Gentiles and the fullness of the Gentiles. Who dare ask a question like that? <laughs> no, that's a very good question. Okay, just very briefly, because it's a whole study in itself is the times of the Gentiles have to do with Jerusalem, the city being trodden down of the Gentiles. And the last reference alluding to is uh, in Revelation chapter 11 where the two witnesses are. And it says the holy city, so no mistake, the holy city where our Lord was crucified, the holy city will they tread underfoot 40 and two months or three and a half years. So the times of the Gentiles, does, as I understand it, doesn't end until uh, the end of the tribulation of three and a half years. Uh, that is the time the Gentiles refers to the uh, downtreading of the city of Jerusalem. The fullness of the Gentiles refers to the last Gentile convert that's going to be saved. So remember uh, in Acts chapter 13, uh, Paul had been witnessing. So when some people say to me, well, Kevin, the gospel goes to the Jew first, to the Jew first. Paul did that. And in the book of Acts, every time he went to a city where there was a synagogue, he went to the Jew first. But then after rejection in so many synagogues, do you know what he said in Acts 13? He said, it was necessary that the gospel be first preached to you, to the Jew first. But seeing you judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we turn to the Gentiles. And when the Gentiles heard it, they rejoiced. And so Paul's greatest persecution came from, so the gospel did go to the Jew first. Jesus came to the Jew first. They had the first outpouring of the Spirit. They were the first converts, 3,000, 5,000 multitudes. They were the first church. But eventually the nation turned. And so that's the, that's the thing. So the fullness of the Gentiles, since, since then, God has been visiting the Gentiles and taking out the Gentiles and they are people for his name. But when the last Gentile that's going to be saved is saved, that is the fullness of the Gentile or the last uh, Gentile convert. Then God turns back to the Jew. So they were the first ones to have an outpouring of the Spirit last nation to have an outpouring of the Spirit. In between time, God is visiting the Gentiles. That's what I understand. So times of the Gentiles has to do with the city of Jerusalem and it's treading down. And the fullness of the Gentiles has to do with uh, Gentile conversion. Hope that explains that. Thank you, Kevin. That's a very good thought. Okay, this one is good. Uh, law uh, and grace, Hagar and Sarah. Uh, Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments. Okay, the question as I understand is, is obedience to the Ten Commandments in the light of the New Testament, uh, number one, of our works, or number two, uh, or a fruit? Okay, let me sort of indulge a little bit here. It's interesting in the latest book that I wrote before I took sick, um, I don't know if I told you, let me tell you just 
you know, want to keep you happy for the last few moments. Uh, I, I, I used to take a walk about 60 minutes a day between 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, uh, 6 and 7, or 6.30 and 7.30. So uh, as I'm walking down the street, crossing the, par the road to come to my house, uh, a, a guy pulls up in a car and wound down the window. He said, Kevin, he said, you don't know me, but I know you. He said, I've got a word from God for you. He said, you've still got two or three books to write yet, and that's a word from God to you. To you. You're not finished yet. And he wound up the window and drove off. <laughs> I've never seen him from that day to this, you know, I didn't know it was Adam or Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck. <laughs> and, and, and anyway, I actually went home and wrote that down, I thought this is peculiar. So I told uh, one of the brothers there at uh, our home church, I said, maybe he was an angel. I said, if he was an angel, he was in a bomb of a car. <laughs> anyway, people said, don't write any more books because if you do, when you do three more, you're dead, you know. <laughs> So, uh, what do I do? <laughs> I, I, I'm between a rock and a hard place. Anyway, the last one I wrote, I hadn't finished the last three chapters on what do you mean I'm not under law, I'm under grace. So I did it on the law of grace. Okay, back to our question. So is obedience to the, to the Ten Commandments. Now, let me ask you a question. How many believe that the Ten Commandments were nailed to the cross? We're not under law, we're under grace. Hands up. You naughty boy. You naughty girl. No, listen carefully now. You have to, f uh, I refer to this, what law was now the cross? Were the moral laws, the civil laws, the, uh, the, the food laws, the hygiene laws, or the ceremonial law? The ceremonial law was now the cross. Now, how do I know that? Because I, I do this in the text, not trying to sell you a book, but uh, do that. Uh, is that every one of the Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament by Jesus and or the Apostles. The only commandments never repeated in the New Testament by Jesus and or the Apostles is the Fourth Commandment, which concerns the Sabbath. So sorry for our, we have a lot of ex-Seventh-day Adventist friends in our place, and what set them free is thing that I did on the Sabbath, why we don't keep the Sabbath. Because you see, the two most important events which most SDAs do not know about uh, is this, that the two most important feasts in Israel took place not on the Sabbath, but listen to the language, on the morrow after the Sabbath. And the sheaf of first fruits was way before the Lord on the morrow after the Sabbath. Not the Sabbath, but the first day of the week. And then the Feast of Pentecost was seven Sabbaths complete, seven sevens of 49 when I went to school. And on the 50th day, which was the morrow after the Sabbath, the first day of the week, the Holy Spirit came. So for centuries, the Jew has been keeping the first day of the week in these feasts and never knew why. Because you see, when we come to the New Testament, Jesus' resurrection took place on the first day of the week, the morrow after the Sabbath. And the Holy Spirit thought, if Jesus has bypassed the Sabbath and he rose the first day of the week, the Holy Spirit came the 50th day, the morrow after the Sabbath, first day of the week. So two persons in the Godhead bypassed the Sabbath to the morrow after the Sabbath, the first day. The resurrection and the outpoured Holy Spirit. That's why I keep the first, I keep seven days, the Lord. 
but I keep the first day because of that. Never once does the New Testament tell you to keep the Sabbath, but the, all the other commandments are all repeated. Now, so do we keep the obedience of commandments and the light of the New Testament by our works? No. What does Jesus say? What does Jeremiah say? What does Paul say? In the last days, he said, I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel. I'm going to write my laws in their hearts. Uh, yeah, where's my heart? <laughs> yeah. uh, in their minds and in their hearts. So now notice this because it's really important to get hold of uh, is that in the old covenant, the Ten Commandments were written on two tables of stone. So two and ten. The first four were my relationship to God, love God, don't have any grave image, honor your, uh, 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 don't make any grave image, uh, don't take his name in vain, and uh, keep the Sabbath. They were the four. Then the last six commandments on the probably the other table were my relationship to fellow man. When somebody came to Jesus and said, um, which is the great commandment? He didn't pick out the s Sabbath day. He said, the great command, and this is from the old covenant, mind you, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And the second commandment is like, love your neighbors yourself. And then Paul takes up, he says, you know, the commandments, don't steal, don't uh, commit adultery, don't lie and everything. Honor your father and mother. And if there's any other commandment, it's all fulfilled in one word, love. So in the Old Testament, they had two tables of stone, external written by the finger of God, telling them what to do, giving them no power to do it, and then condemning them for not doing it. But in the New Covenant, the two tables are now inside, in my mind and in my heart. And the Holy Spirit comes to give me power to do it. And you see, when it's all summarized, it's all summarized in love. <coughs> if I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind, and strength, I'm going to keep His commandments. If I love my neighbors myself, I'm not going to steal, I'm not going to commit adultery, I'm not going to dishonor my parents, which I never had any. You know, I'm going to... Love is the fulfilling of the law. It's all fulfilled in one law. So to me, it's not of works what I do, but it's fruit of love. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Against love, there is no commandment. So I left my wife at home, terrible, with the credit cards. <coughs> Please don't send her a copy of this CD, okay? And uh, when, when I left my wife and said, I love you, darling, and gave her a kiss goodbye, I didn't put Ten Commandments on the fridge door. You shall have no other husbands beside me. You commandment number two, you shall not go around taking photos and pictures of other men but me. Number three, you shall not take my name in vain and call me the old man. I've got ten commandments that I gave to my wife. I didn't do that because she loves me. She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me. <laughs> See, it's a relationship of love. So it's not of works. I want to please him. I love him. That's it. So I hope that sort of answers that question. So love is the fulfilling. So, yeah, thank you, Father, for that one. Good. Okay, quickly. Uh, which is the best commentary on Ezekiel besides the one by KJC?
Wonderful. Who did that? Okay. Um, look, to tell you the truth, I don't, I don't know. I can't help on this. Uh, I use Jamison, Fawcett and Brown. I've used Matthew Henry's a little bit. Uh, but because so many of them are pro-Israel and against the church, that the church was uh, like a last-minute invention because of Jewish unbelief, I, I'm, I'm for the church. I'm for everybody getting saved, coming to Christ, but I'm for the church. So, uh, yeah, I can't help on that. Sorry about that. Thank you for that good one. Can a born-again Christian be unborn? <laughs> that sounds like Nicodemus, except you're born again. You can't enter the kingdom. And he said, can I enter into my mother's womb again? I came out, now I go back in. No, no. Uh, okay, probably another way of saying the thing is uh, about eternal security. Now, I don't believe a, a, a Christian is eternally secure. We are conditionally secure. Uh, we think of the prodigal son. He left home. Uh, it's interesting in that chapter, <coughs> lost and found, the shepherd went looking for the lost sheep and the woman lo went looking for the lost coin, but the father never went looking for the lost son. The son, when he was fed up with the pigs and pig food <laughs> again and hogged out so much, he came to himself when he came to himself then he came back to the father so that's the picture so yeah I don't believe in eternal security uh, uh, I like what Andrew Murray says Christ died to bring us back to the obedience from which Adam fell let me give you a little bit of theology on it while okay you can't have eternally eternal security without sinless perfection were the angels sinlessly perfect no. Uh, why did the angels sin? In the very presence and blazing white light of God's holiness. Did Adam and Eve have sinless perfection? Answer me. <laughs> no. Or they wouldn't have sinned. Were they eternally secure? No. Did Jesus have sinless perfection? Yes. Thank you. Wonderful. So you see, you can't have eternal security without sinless perfection. We as Christians, we're going on to perfection. But we're not there yet. The law of sin is not yet eradicated. So I believe we are uh, conditionally secure. And as Ad, uh, Murray, uh, Andrew Murray says, Christ died to bring us back to the obedience from which Adam fell. The issue is obedience. Okay? Uh, I did this the other night, and if you are not here, you're forgiven. Please explain what is exactly uh, an unpardonable sin. Uh, can anybody remember my answer on that? The unpardonable sin, simply, making it very simple, is unbelief. Remember I said, I think I remember anyway, uh, <laughs> that when Jesus died on the cross, he died for every sin in the world except one sin. And that's unbelief, because in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they had to face, God said, you'll surely die, and, and Satan said, you'll not surely die. Which are they going to believe, the truth of God or the lie of Satan? So unbelief is the root sin. All the sins in the world came out of this root sin. And Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit has come, he's going to convict the world of sin because they smoke and chew and run with the boys that do? No, because he died for all sin. He's going to convict the world of sin because... They believe not on me. 
So when everybody stands before the Lord and the great white throne judgment, whatever, uh, the issue is not what sins they did, because Jesus took them all on Calvary, but what sin, the sin of unbelief. Did you believe on Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's the issue. So unbelief is the root sin. So that to me is making the unpardonable sin sim uh, simple. Uh, okay. Now this person writes in tongues. <laughs> oh, like I do. How does the seven years and burning of the weapons in Ezekiel relate to the three and a half years before uh, he returns? To tell you the truth, I don't know. Uh, it may be part of it, I don't know. It may be before that. So I, I, only time's going to tell on that one. But it's a good question. Sorry, I can't help you anymore on this. Uh, what is the... This is in tongues, oh, by the same guy. Uh, what is the purpose of the counterfeit meal? Okay, I think simply counterfeit meal, counterfeit communion, we call it. It's just it's, it's symbolic of God's judgment upon the wicked, you know, the nations that come against Israel in that case there, and they're destroyed, and God's using symbolic language of their destruction and their uh, total annihilation that type of thing. So he uses symbolic language according to the birds and the beasts to feed on the flesh of the dead. So I think it's more symbolic. Okay. Uh, one or two more here. Uh, dear Reverend Kevin. <laughs> I don't like being called Reverend. I was nearly going to cut this bit off here. Because it says holy and reverend is his name never ours so where the western picked up thing of taking god's name holy and reverend his name and we stick it on little kevin john connor and the rest of us forget it i'm reverent when i worship him but i'm not reverend kevin connor thank you okay reverend kevin <laughs> i i just just thinking out loud sorry uh, among my circle of christian friends and non-believer friends and relatives, many think that Muslim is from, uh, well, Abraham crossed out the line of Ishmael, which is also Abraham's son, okay, Abraham's son, and ultimately God is going to, I assume, gather them in, as in John's Gospel, the sheep pen. Yes, I do believe, and uh, when I was in the Middle East, to tell you the truth, I ministered to the Messianic Jews, and I ministered to uh, lot of Arab people and I'm no evangelist as you know by now but I had an altar call I every night and uh, Arabs there they just responded to the Lord so God is visiting uh, because they are the seed of Abraham uh, you know God said to Abraham I'm going to bless Ishmael make a great nation of him so so out of every kindred tongue tribe and nation God is visiting people so I believe there'll be more come in Yes, whether they are of Ishmael or Isaac or Shem, whatever. God's going to gather them into the sheep pen. Praise God. That's good. All right, now, um, last one here. A couple I've got on divorce here. Uh, I'm not going to do that, see, so uh, I've written a book on it. Oh, it's up there. Yeah. Okay. We'll make this the last one, then I'm ready to lay before the Lord. Uh, can we sympathize with the Palestinians? Uh, I say yes. I sympathize with the Jews. I sympathize with the Palestinians, what's going on over there. In fact, uh, the more I 
try and keep up on these things, I find that there are many Palestinians that are happy to be in Israel. They uh, have the same laws, the same protection, they have good jobs, and they'd rather be there than in some of their own uh, suburbs. They say that. And so the newspaper, don't believe the media. The media, they're a bunch of liars and deceivers. Thank you. Uh, I only came to know that we are not allowed to preach to the Jews. Likewise, we're not allowed to preach to the Muslims here. Did the Jews and the Muslims make an agreement earlier? But both of them are just not given the permission. I'm not sure whether they made an agreement or not. They both say the same thing. But the thing is, God is visiting so many Muslim people. So we, you know, we have the good, the bad, and the ugly, but so many reports of Jesus visiting them. And, and pointing them to the New Testament and pointing them to Jesus. So, you know, you've got the good, the bad, and the ugly, but it's happening in every nation. But God in his sovereignty is visiting many Muslims and bringing them to Christ. So I say, Lord, do it again. All right, so uh, this is my attitude. Okay, if people um, don't want the gospel and say, well, don't preach to me. Okay, what did Jesus say? When you go into a city and they don't receive you, Shake the dust off your feet and leave it in Malaysia and go back to Melbourne. <laughs> Figuratively speaking. All right, I think I'm done. I've got one other here, I'm, I'm a couple on the divorce, but I'll leave that because I've, did, I've done a book on it and how we handle it uh, with the eldership in our church. Okay, I think I'm done. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching. Visit kevinconnor.org for more information.